a game in an hour, but I have nothing planned. Eh. I'm running a game in an hour, and I only have five maps, six NPCs, and 12 side quests planned. This is part one of a two-part episode. Let's talk modules. We'll need to dig into who should use them, how to use them for prepping or running a session, and if they work for everyone all the time. Spoiler alert, they don't, but also they do. It's a whole thing. Hey! I'm your host, Sarah, and... I'm your other host, Morgan. We're two sisters. By marriage. Who love to talk about stories. From writing fiction and creating elaborate plot lines in D&D... To doing the bare minimum or the absolute most in prep. We're out out of of initiative. initiative. You might call it improv, but running and playing in a tabletop RPG requires a lot of thinking on your feet. But that's not to say you can go in without a plan, especially as a new GM. Let's discuss which pieces you should write and which you should wing. Okay, I think the obvious place to start here is modules. Yes. Um, Yes. I would recommend any new... GM, especially if you're playing DD, I should say my experiences in DD, I would recommend any new DM start with an official module, right? We really enjoyed Dragon by Spire Peak, which we just finished, and I will love those characters forever. Um, it revolves around a job board concept, which is, I think, really easy to manage. You have a pretty finite, first of all, you have a place where your players are constantly coming back for story, for like story beats, like what's next. And uh, you have a finite number of directions to prep, right? Like they're most likely going to take one of these three items from the job board. And therefore, you know which three things to have ready. Three is still a lot, right? Like if that's too much, you can certainly say like only these ones are available right now. Or um, you want to start that. That sounds great. Gang, I haven't prepped that one. So folks, let's uh, call it here and then we'll come back, you know, next session unless you guys want to do some shopping around town. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But I really think that starting with the module format helps you understand like what material do DMs typically refer to? What do you, What's typically on the page? Because if you go in totally uh, unaided, I, I do think one of my issues is that I would totally over prep what's the ambient temperature and if someone does druid craft what would the weather be tomorrow like i like you can really go down the rabbit hole like what you know how, what's the loam percentage on the soil under the vendor's feet like it's really like you can go yeah. as far yeah. as you want and it is often quite unproductive um so i think that you should start with the module and then you know from there you can decide are modules what you like do you want to customize a module or are you someone like me who really doesn't like having to script things in advance I really prefer full homebrew, uh, and I'm glad that I ran a module first so that I could learn that that was really just not for me. <laughs> would you would you say for like new GMs, Dragon of Icebreaker Peak is a good module to start with because of as you said, like the bounty board and all that? Yeah, in I your think, opinion. In my opinion, I think Dragon of Icebreaker Peak would be an amazing place to start. I'd recommend that to any new any new DM. Um, I ran Waterdeep Dragon Heist, played. Dragon Vice Bar Peak and ran Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Waterdeep Dragon Heist was fun, but like a city setting like that, when like Fandolin, where I Dragon Vice Bar Peak is set, is very small. It's very manageable. It is um, you know, you have a pretty finite number of places where the players can go and things they can get into. Obviously, there's the surrounding area, but like the woods are the woods are the woods. And then you can go to the mountain and the mountain is the mountain, right? Like there there aren't yeah. that many different things. Whereas yeah. 
in Waterdeep, the like kind of beauty of Waterdeep Dragon Heist is that it's like a whole thriving world. And if you really want to dig into it, there's an entire wiki built that shows like who runs what building businesses and where's that building located and you know which you know let's talk about the fest fest halls of the dock ward and here's an entire list it's like who made this list why does this exist and if you're someone who wants that kind of material like i want to be able to search for jewelers within waterdeep great that exists and you can pull it up i found myself straying from it because I felt that it would be easier for me to remember something that I came up with in the moment because I could just take a note versus having to figure out what had been pre-written multiple times. So now that we're moving away from that, I'm, I'm really pleased that this campaign is that my campaign is kind of going into a direction that's fully homebrew uh, versus something that someone else has already written. The other thing, I think we have one player who's read some of the books that are set in the region. So he actually has some context and there's a, pretty intimidating element for me uh to know that one of my players may know more about an area than i do for me it's like well then i'm like i don't want to run that do you want to run it because i think i'm going to make a mistake and while it is my world and i know that this player he would never say well actually in the book never in a million years would he do that um i still like in the back of my mind i'm like i just i'm not i'm not the subject matter expert here uh, which is why for our next campaign, we've been talking about building uh, will be fully homebrew from the ground up and built with the players involved. Like everyone is going to be involved with the world building so that we all have the same amount of information. And I think that's going to help for engagement. And it's also going to make prep a lot easier. That was a very yeah. long way to say yes. <laughs> uh, I know. Yeah. Fandolin has like two ends, right? And I, I know we always one have... and then there's the one that's, like, defunct. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's easy compared to Waterdeep has so many, so many. Um, yeah. And I get what you're saying about if someone's really familiar with the world, there's there's two factors that could be intimidating. One, not, a lot of what you're going to present to them is not a surprise anymore, which true as a DM, like I love that revealing yeah. and, and having them pull at threads and dig and learn and find out on their own. Versus they already ha- kind of have that knowledge like, oh, yeah, that's, you know. And then the second is like, what if they do pull on something that's a really big deal in the lore or in the canon? And you just don't know. Like, you just don't you haven't really looked in. Like, I want to go to this specific store and talk to the spe- this specific NPC because I know something like you're as a DM. You're not going to I mean, you're going to have to like scramble and Google or hopefully have time or something. You know, why are they so fixated on this? So. Um, that would be tough. That would be tough. I know running, uh, as I'm running Curse of Strahd right now, um, since it's such a popular module, there is a lot on the internet and a lot of just, I think, even if you've never played Curse of Strahd as a player, you have a general idea of what it's about and, yet, you know, and the themes. And so there is a little bit of that intimidation uh, because they are, most players are coming to it expecting expecting like certain elements and aspects that they have already heard about or learned or whatever. Um, and again, you want to try and keep it fresh or add the element of surprise. And I'm glad you touched on the homebrew in your world. Cause as I'm looking through a module and I'm prepping and we're getting, say the players are going to get to this certain uh, encounter and they're going to meet these NPCs. I, as a DM, 
have to kind of immerse myself in what these NPCs motivations are and, and what they need to tell the players, what they won't tell the players. Um, And when you haven't created the characters yourself, that's really hard. That's really, really Really hard. hard. Um, Because how do I connect with old man? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how do I portray that, how they, someone else wrote what they are going to say their, their mannerisms, everything. And I have to really focus on how I can be that person. Um, Cause you know, we've discussed this, you know, your character's always like a part of you, like a little bit of you. And, and how can I be like that when I haven't created it? And I didn't, I, I didn't write this dialogue. I didn't, you know, come up with this backstory. How do I make, how do I get a hold of it so I can present it the best I can, where if you homebrew it, you're going to make all your own characters. You're going to come up with it. You're going to know in the back of your mind what their motivations are, how they would react to certain questions. Um, so there's definitely a little challenge with a module that way, but you, I think it's, it's honestly, it's kind of fun, like to flex a little bit of your muscles to um, be given a script and play a character you wouldn't normally play um, and kind of have to figure it out. So I, I think there is some learning curve to that um, when you have modules. I think so too. And one uh, challenge with some of the older modules is Strahd is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Um, let me juxtapose by saying what I see in the current one. So Dragon of Spire Peak and in uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, at the front of the book, there's like a little timeline. This happens, then this happens, then this happens. This is when the next chapter starts. And then here, you know, and here's where you're going to go from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In theory, the story will end with the players doing X, Y, Z. And what I found with Strahd when I tried running Strahd a couple of years ago, I found the story so confusing. It was, it's super nonlinear. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm pretty delighted to be playing in your campaign as you run it because I couldn't retain any of it. And I'm like, gosh, I sure hope I can figure out what's going on in this story because I have like the general like idea, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there is a vampire in your, you know, game is Stradia. I love that you made her a woman. Okay. Uh, and she's been here a really long time. And we're trapped here. And I don't know much of the story beyond that, despite repeatedly trying to read through the mm-hmm. module to prep. Uh, so I'm going in pretty unprepared as a player, like without the sort of meta knowledge. Um, and as a DM, I, I really struggled with that one. That was like, it was com- com- confusing and like layered. And um, how can I relay a story to a table full of players if I don't get it? Uh, and that's, I think, another element of why I prefer to write my own versus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. running something pre-made. And Curse of Strahd, we've discussed this before. I did a lot of kind of prep research on, because it has been ran so many times by so many DMs. There is a wealth of knowledge on what's worked and what doesn't and what players get hung up on and what needs to be updated or tweaked or whatever. And I came across um, one post and I I wish I could remember who it was that said to run it almost backwards. Instead of starting in Barovia, mm-hmm. you start it in Kretzka, which is on the other end of the map. And then you work it backwards that way. Um, and then you end in Barovia and then, and then sense. Ravenloft. Right. And so they were like talking about how it was so much better. It just felt like, because to go from Barovia to the wizard of the wines clear or even Kretzka is so far um 
a journey and then to go all the back to Ravenloft. Like there's just a lot of travel. <laughs> and I know a lot of players don't like that, just traveling all the time. So this just felt like a really more organic way to run it. Um, and then you end in Barovia and then you end with Ravenloft. Um, and then I've included some other elements um, like making the gyms more important um, than they are in the module. They have some importance, but they're just kind of like a side lore thing. And I'm making them a lot more weighted. And um, because the, I mean, ultimately it's so clear with Curse of Strahd, you want to escape. Like your whole goal is right. to get past the mess yeah. and escape. And so it's amazing that it's built such a clear goal for your players. It immediately unifies them um, immediately. Like I just need to survive and get home and, I just love that, that it's so contained um, with great motivation. Um, so it's, that's been really fun. But yeah, the when you have some of those modules that are more popular, like Dragon Ice Fire Peak, uh, there's a wealth of knowledge on um, either the Reddit or whatever, how I ran this encounter and why I got rid of this one. And um, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. And a lot of support from modules where homebrew, you're kind of on your own. Um, you, it's your yeah. world. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you, yeah, there is nothing. There is no support. How do I run this encounter? And did I, did I make this too hard? Did I make this too easy? And, um, so it, it is, I would highly recommend a more advanced experience DM. If you're going straight homebrew, um, you can always homebrew some of the modules. I know they always encourage that. Um, just like taking bits and pieces and turning yeah. it into something new. Yeah. 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 Or it does like characters. A lot of reading, a though. Yes. Yes. And I it hate does. That. I hate that. Like, I yeah. love to read and also <laughs> don't make me. Um, <laughs> don't tell me what to do. I've yeah. read uh, <laughs> the module at, at least like, you know, three. I'm probably three encounters ahead of where my players are right now. Um, mulling in the back of my mind i've i'm reading i'm watching youtubes on it how i'm gonna run it i'm looking at maps and how they're different i i'm maybe like four encounters ahead um and that's and i'm not saying like i have maps prepared but like it's mentally i'm prepping um and i know like how how long would you say you prep per hour of gameplay because it's interesting. I saw a post on this on Twitter the other day, and it was, it was really it depends. Felt, yeah, would you say? Average? Oh, it really, it really depends. So for th- our regular three-hour session of gameplay, what? So what I've been doing, I was actually pulling up some of my notes for um, for sessions lately, uh, because we're pretty deep into the story at this point. Um, yeah. What I've been doing is like upcoming session these are the story beats i'm hoping to get to and sometimes that'll just be a 15 minute where where are we what are we working on exercise and then maybe a couple of um maps which if i'm not making my maps right because i don't always make my maps i subscribe to a bunch of patreon accounts uh i'm a patron to a bunch of patreon things uh because there are a lot of really brilliant map makers who have already made things that are frankly much more artistically developed than anything I could ever do. Um, So great. I have a resource. I don't need to spend a lot of time making maps, but if I have something really specific in mind and I need to make the map, it's going to take a lot longer. So I might spend at the peak of the story, knowing I have a lot of maps to prepare, knowing I have a lot to work through and staying away from over preparing. I could easily spend two hours preparing for every hour of gameplay. Yeah, the post I said was an hour for every two hours of gameplay. 
is what yeah, they said. That, that sounds about right. I I do so. I have spent many a full Saturday before mm-hmm. a three hour Sunday game. And I have to say I enjoy it. And that's a huge part of it. Yeah. I en- yeah. I enjoy the prep because on the weeks when I don't enjoy it, it's work and that's not very fun for me. Mm-hmm. So I'll specifically make sure that the party is going in a direction. I'll choose a map that's already made and make sure that the party is uh, getting plot hooks that um I don't have to spend so much energy producing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of looking at some of my notes. It's like but, and to be clear, going to receive a message, and it'll sound like this. This part of the campaign where we are is all homebrew, so you're spending two hours. Yeah, yeah. So you're spending two hours for one hour of gameplay in in uh, in more intense sessions. Yeah, and then in sessions where like where we're at right now, we're so deep into the story. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you know what? It's probably still one one to one. Now that I'm thinking about it, as I'm like, oh yeah, I still have an Ulvan map to make. Um, it's it, it's probably an hour for every okay. hour. Okay. So of when we were when we were in Waterdeep doing Waterdeep adjacent quests, how much prep did those take? Um, it's such a good question. Uh, so when we were in Waterdeep during homebrew stuff that was happening within the city, so the the world has already been generated. Mm-hmm. by Wizards of the Coast, but what the story itself is homebrew. Um, I could go, sometimes I could do like 30 minutes of prep for every hour of gameplay. So we're talking that that ratio, you were talking about one hour of prep for yeah. two hours of gameplay. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. So it felt reduced when you had more assets already available. I think so. You guys were also visiting a lot of the same places, talking to the same mm-hmm. NPCs. Um, and then some sessions... Uh, I'm trying to find some of my like better notes. Uh, that's a benefit of Waterdeep Dragon Heist is because a lot of it, you're going to stay in town for a long time. Where like Curse of Strahd, you're just all the time moving. Like rarely are you yeah. going to come back. I mean, maybe, but probably not. So Yeah, when the party is traveling and I need yeah. travel maps, I would do like um, a camp map. You know, like, oh, you made camp and it's the same kind of camp map you've made before. I have on one occasion recycled a map too soon uh and multiple players are like oh hey we've been here before and i was like damn it no did i say that new- did i notice no i think it was chris and kyle um i didn't I'll notice it's like, first oh, hey, time around the fishbowl fish for me like yeah, yeah. wow cool <laughs> i'm just great. happy to be here um, um I so think like, our airship, like we're always on the airship. Yeah, you guys spend so, a lot of time on the airship. Mm-hmm. That's so like the best worst that. thing I've ever given you guys because um, on one hand, you're like, we can go anywhere. And sometimes it takes a couple of days to travel. So I have like a air combat map that I use all the time because like yeah. from the air, it's going to look the same. The map makes sense that the map would be yep. the same. I just put yep. new tokens on there. Um, and that is, here's my little behind the scene, behind the screen moment. Um Anytime you guys are on the airship lately, anytime you guys have been on the airship and then something attacks you or some sort of encounter happens, it's because I do not feel prepared for the next section. And I'm like, oh, you know what we could do, though? I've got that combat. We could just uh, so that um, near TPK recently with the um, all those <laughs> the uh, tentacle creatures, yes. yeah, the death kisses oh and the gazer. Yeah. Um, that was me biding time. I was just trying to figure out what we guys were going to do next. And I was like, well, every time I throw a hard encounter at you or a deadly encounter at you, uh, 
it doesn't seem to make a difference. You guys are really just like powering right on through. So it's like, I should do something harder. I should do a harder encounter. And the abilities to have so many characters fail saving throws mm-hmm. in a row mm-hmm. and then end up just that was brutal. That was really And when really you're brutal. on an airship, a lot of us can fly, but not all of us. And when you're on not an airship, there's the big risk of added risk of falling along with um, getting attacked. So Yeah, and for the yeah. two characters who can fly because they are winged, they do mm-hmm. not fall safely to the ground. Uh so paralysis uh or falling unconscious while in the air means you are toppling to the ground i hope you make your death saves like yeah Yeah. oh no um yeah that's we've had some really interesting (laughs) moments it's really like that uh putting the players in a situation of extreme challenge has created some extreme creativity i will say yes yes it does I'm just I've grabbed some of my recent notes the here's my session prep lately I go um session plan and then a date and then whatever city you guys are in so in this instance you guys were in Daggerford Mm -hmm. uh and I made a note that was like okay pick up right here um like two or three sentences of what's going on uh what message Zila was going to receive one of the characters receives a message uh several messages from her sister and then um, some conversation that might be heard through a magic ring of sending. Uh, and then I had like one character. This is a really funny one for me to have grabbed. Uh, you know, you get this note from someone named Freeman. You you received a, a voice in your head from someone named Freeman who asked if your his pet goblin delivered your note and then said to stay out of trouble and that he wouldn't want to see you getting in trouble uh, or, you know, finding yourself in um, danger. Um, and that was like I was like, oh, it was a character that I hope is memorable for you. And I'm realizing now that I don't know that the connection was ever made. And then I had like a list of like, oh, here are people you guys might run into. Emmeline is a cart driver, transportation. Her name might be noted somewhere. Uh, Dionisa is an unemployed bartender. Um, Philippa and Pavia are haulers and movers. Like just like a list of like name and what they do and i didn't have anything more fleshed out than that um because i didn't know if you guys were gonna interact with them and then you didn't you only interact with isol the advisor um Mm -hmm. so it was like keeping it really really simple this was probably this was probably 15 to 30 minutes of prep for an entire three-hour session that's that's good that's really good that's pretty good but how long have you been dming so at this point consistently yeah we've been playing weekly for um, you know three straight years plus i have experience from before that like from with the game Mm -hmm. and as a Mm -hmm. writer so i certainly wouldn't recommend that for everybody so what should we be prepping then prep is a whole other conversation let's talk more about what you should write and what you should wing in part two in the meantime we've been out of initiative but we're going to get back into it so get out there roll some dice tell some stories and we will see you in part two Thanks for listening to Out of Initiative, a podcast from Merely NPCs. For more from Sarah and Morgan, follow them on TikTok at Merely NPCs or visit them online at MerelyNPCs.com.